0: I will begin with uh, the cardiovascular system. To be specific, I'm going to do a little rundown for five minutes into cardiovascular system, uh, diagnostic and therapeutic procedures, which I have asked you to look at before even today's class time. Um, This system is one of the most important systems within the human human system. It is important because it regulates uh, our blood, blood volume our perfusion and also regulate sometimes our fluid volume levels in our body that's why it is important for us to know a lot about the cardiovascular system now <clears throat> uh, there are procedures that evaluate uh, how effective this system is working when those procedures are not coming out in the in the, minors, in, the, uh, in, the manners in which they are expected then we have problems. That's why we'll look at this procedure and know what they are exactly. And in nursing, in message, if you do not know the normal, you wouldn't know the abnormal. Take for example, they ask you, a patient with a potassium level of nine, what would a nurse expect to be ordered for that patient? Now, the first thing is the nurse wants to know whether it is a normal level of potassium or not so if you did not know whether it is normal or not you cannot know what uh, what can be done for that patient so we ought to know the normal before identifying abnormal if it is 9 or 10 we know it is high because potassium is what is from 3.5 to Y to 5.0 so when we know that range and we see is at 9 is very high so we know that at that point in time there are things we ought to do we ought to know to be implemented for that patient to bring him back into a normal level if it is lower than the 3.5 uh, range may it is low and we should also know what is needed to know exactly for a patient who is having such a problem these are things we should know we should be able to implement at the appropriate time rightly for ourselves for the patient and for our licenses that we or to protect when we are working in these places. Now, under here, I will talk about this laboratory results. I'm not gonna go into them depth because uh, we, we have them and want to look at them on the audio. Now, these diagnostic procedures, they evaluate a normal functioning heart. Um, these procedures also monitor various enzymes in the body. Now, these enzymes are in the body And when there is a cardiac injury, when there is a cardiac problem, these enzymes can appear in the blood. Take, for example, troponin, myoglobulin. Those are all blood or body chemicals that live in the body. Now, in normal conditions, these chemicals, we do not expect them to be in the bloodstream. Or they should not be there in certain amounts when we are normal, when there is no damage to any blood or any cardio, any cardio site or any myocyte, They should be normal. Now, in the case of injury, like in the case of myocardial infarction, angina, in those conditions, these uh, chemicals, they are released into the bloodstream. So, when we do a test for a normal heart condition, or a normal heart, they should not be in in our bloodstream. But when we see them in the bloodstream, meaning there's a damage done to the blood. And that's why when you do the troponin, in the case of a... in case of a, of a cardiac damage or heart problems, you will see it in the blood, like like the BNP, the, the 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 ANP, the CNP. Those should be in the body. Dominantly, they should not be appearing into our system. We will do laboratory procedures only when there are injuries occurring to our body. That's what happened. Now, so this uh, uh these laboratory uh, uh, chemicals include you have a uh, troponin. It's one. Troponin is one of those enzymes that you're going to find in the bloodstream. Troponin e is a cardiac enzyme. That's one. Two, you have the CKMB. It's called creatinine kinase MB. You have that. It is an azo enzyme. It is very sensitive to the myocardium. Um, You have the troponin. E. Troponin e has uh, different levels. The T, troponin e, um you have the myoglobin myoglobin the myoglobin is another chemical um, it can be found in the heart these are all cardiac enzymes, so they can be elevated um, normally it should be less than 90 middle per, per liter in a case of cardiac injury or heart problem heart damage heart or uh, trauma the myoglobin is released into the bloodstream two to three hours after the injury. So at that point in time, it should be less than, uh, it should be less than uh, uh, 90. And within three hours, if it is higher than that, means there's a cardiac injury. It stays in the, in the bloodstream for up to, up to 24 hours. After that, it disappears. So when there's a cardiac injury, we expect to order the myoglobin enzyme test within 24 hours. Now, after 24 hours of the the patient's symptoms, this enzyme will no longer be in the bloodstream. So even if we order a myoglobin test for a patient who's having a myocardial infarction or a heart problem, we wouldn't know whether it is high or low because after 24 hour period of time, it goes missing in the bloodstream. So we gotta understand when can it be done, how long does it stay within the bloodstream when it's a cardiac injury, and what is the normal level of myoglobin. This applies to also the troponin I troponin T it's applied to all. Then you also have other cardiac tests we do. Other cardiac tests include you have the cholesterol level, cholesterol. Now these cholesterol they play major roles within the cardiac health uh, in the cardiac health. You have one, you have the total cholesterol. You have two. You have the one the high-density lipoprotein, the good cholesterol. It's the good cholesterol, quite a good because it protects the heart. Then you have the bad one, which is the LDL, the low-density lipoprotein, which which is the bad cholesterol. Then you have the triglyceride. The triglyceride um, is also within. heart now all these different uh, uh, cholesterol they have impact on the on the heart now this bad cholesterol the ldl is not good for the heart it causes cardiac damage the good one is what we want to have increase in our body it protects the heart it protects the blood vessels in the coronary artery cycle uh, in the coronary uh, uh blood system the system that is that is that is uh, That is linked to supplying blood to the heart itself. We call it the coronary system. So when you have coronary artery disease, it, most of the time, it, most of the time, it derives from this cholesterol level in our body. So it is important for us to know the level of this cholesterol and know the role they play in our cardiac health. It is very important. Um. Also, when you look at this uh, cholesterol in, when you look at them in your book, you know about them listen to our past audio on uh, on cardiac procedure or cardiovascular procedure you also know a lot about them that's why I ask you to look at them um, uh, you also look at other lipid profile like I talked about them, uh, the, the cardiac enzyme which I talked about earlier. then you have the EKG, the echocardiogram or uh, the EKG now the EKG is a big thing on the ankle because we need to know exactly now this is big because it comes in three ways, one we have the theoretical part of the EKG, the theoretical part of the EKG. Under here, they will ask you a question. A patient who has atrial fibrillation, um, what would a nurse expect a patient to be treated with? This, this is not about graph. The, 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 the test did not give you a graph to look at and give an answer, no, this is about literature. It's about reading the condition and know what treatment will give for the patient who has this condition. That's one way the questions might come in EKG. Another way is they're gonna give us a graph, they're gonna give us an EKG diagram and ask uh, what diagram is that. Take for example, you saw an EKG diagram in this in this minor, you saw a normal P wave that came down this way, um, came here, went here. Um, uh, at the end of the day, there is no T wave. And they ask you, there's a P wave, it's a Q, it's an R, an S. The T is supposed to be here, but it's absent. There is no T with what condition the dead patient has. That, that's another form in which we can be given question about the EKG. Now, better state, another one could be um they could give us medication, they'll give her a graph. You saw you saw an EKG script like this, and they ask you what medication. This is what the ETG script needs. In this, in this situation you must identify what wave is being shown here in the graph. that's one. depending on what you what you gather about, the, about this graph, that's how you will produce an answer that matches the graph. That becomes another way. So it is a big thing because we want to know a lot about it. So we also have a video on YouTube that you can look at it to give you the first part. And we will also take our time to look at the both A, that is the normal level of the EKG, and the B, which is an abnormal EKG level. Or the C will give us the functions of these waves and the medication that we need when we have an abnormal EKG. Any question? Any question? Then we talk about stress tests. Now when you are having stress, stress um, has a major role to play on on the health of our heart. So stress, when you are having stress, the heart is placed not direct. So how do we do a stress test? It's also in one of of those audio to to listen to. Then we have the hemodynamic monitoring. And then we also have other cardiac tests you can do. Like we talk about the angiography. What is angiography? It is a procedure we also call cardiac catheterization. In angiography, uh, it is an invasive diagnostic procedure that is used to evaluate the presence of any blockade within the coronary artery system. It could be atherosclerosis. It could be, uh, it could be an embola. It could be any blockade in there. It is used to diagnose. Um, uh, we use the angiogravity procedure to diagnose these problems when they are problems with uh, the, the the coronary artery system. Now, then we we'll look at the indications. Uh, when someone has angina, someone has myocardial infarction. What will we do? Or how? Uh, how? Uh, what will be the result of these tests? I want you to look at this one. Uh, listen to it if you did not listen to it in the past already. Then we also have. Um, other condition, other laboratory tests that we do also, like the implant port, we're we'll talk about the toenail, we'll it is important that we look at all those things. Now, uh, another point that I, want, I wanted us to have gone through was, uh, I posted into the group chat yesterday a couple of things I wanted to look at. One of those things is um, vascular access device, um, vascular access device or devices. Now, these devices that we talked about the last time, we took our time to go through them. It is important that we understand how they are, how they work, what use can we do with them and we we'll have them available in our clinical setting. Um, like you have, um, there are different types. You have the central line um, and you have different type of, type of central lines that you want to know and review them. We have an audio on them we said that at the central line, uh, these vascular assets, they have uh, the vascular asset device, they are determined by the characteristics under which they are prescribed by the physician who is going to prescribe them. That is, they look at uh, the medication type. What, what, what type of med that is being used to, to, to treat a patient depends. That can also determine what type of vascular device we want to use. Um, we have some meds that, that are very toxic. Some are very. Some has high pH. Uh, the body. Some fluid has high pH. You cannot put it into a peripheral veins. Some must go into central line. So depending on the kind of medication that, that that is being prescribed by the patient or for the patient by the doctor, that's how we can determine what vascular access device we could use in that in that situation. Another thing is we look at the pH and the osmolality. These are all the determinants to tell us what can we use. One of the most important is the length of time. Now, some of these vascular access device can be given for short time, in a week time, three days, two days. Some can go for like two, three weeks, four weeks, one month, two months, three months. Now, depending on what is being done for the patient, that's how we can determine which one can be used. And we talked about talked about them the other day, and I want you to please go back and look at them in detail now the central line we said that uh, we said the central line um this uh, we call them the central lines character central lines uh, are lines character now these central line characters uh we said that uh, they are appropriate for fluid when we need rapid or uh, rapid hemod that uh rapid hemodilution. so we use central lines like in the case of when we're using the superior vena cava we can use central line to access the superior vena cava we need rapid fluid uh infusion now um when we when we place in the central line we need an x-ray we need an x-ray verification to see why the tip of that central line has reached the superior vena cava because we must try it it must go onto it reaches the biggest vein next to the heart which, which is which is the superior vena cable and the only way we can see that and determine that it has reached where it's supposed to reach is through the help of an x-ray being done um, we also said that the central lines um we use a sterile technique to put in a central line um, it can be done by the doctor, by a physician assistant, a PA, or better still, it could be done by a nurse that is specifically trained to administer a central line. So ordinary RN can just do it. It gotta be done by a trained RN who has been trained to to to, to put in the, uh vascular access devices, or a physician assistant, or a physician. Now, and then we said that. Uh, um, it can be done in the patient room at the patient's bedside, but it should be done in a sterile field. We can create a sterile field and do it at the patient's bedside or on the patient's bed. It could be done in an OPD, in a doctor's office, or it could be done in an OR, in, in, uh, in a surgical environment. So, depending on where it's chosen, make sure the procedure is a sterile procedure. We must create a sterile field if it is done outside the theater or outside the OR. Now um we have different types of this of this vascular as a, of this central line IV uh, device. One we have the first one we said earlier we said we have the one we call it non-tunnel. The non-tonal vascular uh, non-tonal central line. This are central line. The first one is the non-tonal central line know about that and know what is it how why do we do it and how can it be done and we said this non tunial central line um, uh, we said this non or uh, 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 central line we also have that we also have um, the tunnel central line so we have the tunnel and the non uh central line now let me just let me just go back to be specific. Let me get divided into group so the answer much more easier compared to this. It is important to know which one is which in the end class. Now, the first ones are the central IV character. Now these ones um they include one the central IV, so the central um IV character. One, you have, the first one is the non tunia the non tunia central IV, that's one. Um, then we have um, the peripheral in certain, one, the PICC, which is what you call the pig line. Peripheral in center, central catheter, pig line. You have the pig line under there um you have the tunnel central venous line the tunnel one the one that is tunnel um this tunnel central line you have that and then uh you also have the implanted port the fourth one over the implanted the implanted port these ones are what we call the central Line the central RV Canada now, um, like the Hickman, the tunnel ones are the Hickman's and the grocer. The grocer is G R O S H O G. So you have the grocer and the Hickman. So the grocer, the Hickman for another tunnel. So here you have uh, the tunnel, you have the grocer, the grocer, sure. and the Hickman. These are example of a tunnel line. Now, you all look at them in detail and know the function of each. Now, for the non-tunnel, let's, let's talk about the non-tunnel. It's important for RN mainly, not the LVAD. This, this is important for RN mainly. Now, for the RNs, the non-tunnel percutaneous central venous line, the CVC, non uh non-tunious percutaneous central venus (the cvc this is like seven to ten centimeter or inches i mean seven to ten inches long this is between seven to ten inches long that's how long they are um it has like a one to five lumens it might have one lumen. It might have two. It might have three. It might have. It have sometimes it can have up to five lumens. So this non can have up to five lumens that we can use to instill different other fluid medication, other things into the body through those different lumens. Um, this is for short-term use only. The non is for short-term use only. Now, um, it is. Place in various location one. It can be placed in the subclavian vein. That's one. I want to, I want to keep writing that now. It can be placed in the subclavian veins. That's one location. It can be placed in the jugular vein on the neck. Another location. It can be placed uh, in the tip of the destructor of the superior vena cava. it can be placed in the chest. They will find where they, you have this uh, superior vineyard cava locator. It goes directly in there it create an opening and it find it and go in there and put it in. Those are the three areas that, that, that we can find to insert the non uh CVC. It is called non tunial because we do not have to put it into a vein to turn it means to, to, to thread it to where it's supposed to be it goes directly into the largest vein and it accesses the entire body that's why it is called non-tonial so the word non-tonial meaning we do not have to put in the vein that would throw it to its needed location now um this particular non-tonial cvc it can be used to administer uh one blood and blood products that's one it can be used to administer long-term chemotherapeutic agents. So we can use it to administer uh, long-term chemotherapeutic agents, antibiotics, and other total parenteral nutrition, (TPN). So we can use it to also administer TPN, total parenteral nutrition, like those fluid that contain, like um, a that the body would need, like those D-50, d uh, that the body would need to live. If the person cannot have take Food, other things on uh, by mouth or on NPO. Now, that's about the non tunnel Now, let's look at the P, the pig line. The pig line. In the pig line, the pig line is about eighteen to twenty-nine inches. That's how long the pig line is. Eighteen to twenty-nine inches. You can also convert them to centimeter. If they bring this in the meter, so just know that now um this has single lumen sometimes it might have multiple lumens it might have multiple lumens So it you can have just one or single lumen now this is for this stays in longer compared to the first one we we're talking about now in this in this in this situation it stays for up to 12 months so it could be in for up to twelve months. The pig line can be in up to twelve months. So it is important that we know that. Another thing about the pig line is, um, it can be inserted into the basilic or the cephalic veins. It can either be placed into the basilic, into the basilic, or the cephalic vein. Know what is the basilic vein? Know what is the cephalic vein? i don't know that look at your, look it up yourself now these words are important for the anchor it might help you to answer a question or it might help you to understand a question which answer might be easier if you don't know if you don't know if you, if you don't know this jargon these words in, uh, in nursing sometimes it might make you to miss an answer that you're supposed to know now so it can be placed in the basilic or in the cephalic veins at least one finger breath below or above the anticubital fossa, so it is placed into the basilic or the spotted vein at least one finger breath above or below the anticubital fossa in here. Now, so the other one finger birth above the location or below that location, the anticubital fossa location I'm talking about now. Um this should be advanced. Now, the reason why it is called the reason why it is uh, it is called peripherally inserted, meaning it is to the periphery of the body, to the arm. So it is placed in the arm into the antecubital fossa, and we push it, we thread it, we send it, or we advance it until it reaches the point it is supposed to reach. Until it is into the superior vena cava. Now, just imagine the one, the first, what we say it is non tonial, that also has access to the superior vena cava, but it, it, it does not go through a long process. The pig lamb also will get access to the superior vena cava, but it goes through a longer process to access the superior vena cava. That's how different that's how different the two uh the two systems are now another thing is we can use this particular pig line for long-term care for patient who needs long-term iv iv material iv of, of fluids it can be used to administer blood and blood products it can be used to also administer um chemotherapeutic agents antibiotics and also it can be used to administer TPN total parenteral nutrition so both of them can be can can, can administer the same the same materials but one is short term and the other one is long term one can access this the larger vein directly and one must go through the peripheral vein to access the larger veins so just know which one is which um sometimes or uh, it is also important that we insert the pig line earlier. If we have a bigger procedure to perform later on that day, it is important to administer, to, 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 to put in the pig line before the time of the bigger procedure to avoid infection or to avoid you to, to do repeated puncture on the patient, which is very painful. And uh, Can anybody tell me what what fluid or what what can we use to disinfect the body if we have to insert any of these vascular access devices what can we use bolu what can we use let's say you want to use uh we have a procedure to to insert uh, a pig line on a patient who is in room 106 and i ask you to go to, to, to go get me an antiseptic solution to cleanse the patient's body book, we can put in this particular uh, 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 uh access device. What can we use? Mimi, what can we use? Afrida, what can we use? <laughs> Let me just try. I don't know what it is. I would say is, is, is a disinfectant. We need, some, we need a disinfectant to, go to do like, a a scrub for surgery. Can we use salam for surgical scrub to scrub the skin to disinfect the skin? No, salam does not have anything that, that would kill bacteria. What 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 can be used? Can anyone tell us? Shade. Aminara. mean uh, Okay. Why are you calling Shade? I just got here. <laughs> Shade, what what can we use or what will, what will we use if we are to disinfect a skin, a patient's skin to insert pig line? What can we use to clean the skin? Can we use a silfe web like to clean the skin? Uh, a web is not anything you're talking about. Save web could be anything. What can be used specifically to cleanse a skin or a portion of the skin to insert a pig line? Is that cl- cl- something, skin, honey. So we yeah. use chlorhexidine. Yeah, close So chlorhexidine is what we use to cleanse a line, uh, to clean the skin when we have to use a pig line. There might be other ones, but the most commonly used one is chlorhexidine. Chlorhexidine is what we use. Chlor. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Hexidine. I it is used to clean the skin from microbes before we can do a surgical procedure. Now, so we use the curiosity to clean the skin. We ensure sterility that is achieved 100%. We place a stop sign on the door to the room to restrict movement of entry during the procedure. Go, no, no one should enter the room do you leave the room during the If you leave the room, you don't go back in the room. The dose remains up close until the procedure is done. That's what we do. Um, when you place in the uh, the these lines, it will be pig line or the tone or, or the non-tunnel. You confirm it by doing what? Doing an X-ray to confirm that the that, that the pig line is already inserted into the patient's vein. And uh, we access for the site for redness, swelling, drainage our pains and condition of the dressing they all should be intact it should be safe anything that is otherwise should be reported it could be a sign of infection sign of bleeding or a sign of any, any problems and uh, we clean the area with alcohol swap for 15 seconds and allow it to dry before we can access it at any point that we are going to pass medication we must use some alcohol swab cleanse it the port very well of 15 seconds and then we can pass the medication and when we're done we'll cleanse it disinfect it and we'll recap it we can use a transparent dressing to allow us to visualize the site um the client can be placed on a uh, dressing changes usually every seven days or depending on the protocol of, of the of the of, of of where we are working um we got a further infusion another societal practice to make sure that everything is clean, we used a 10 mL syringe. I repeat, we used a 10 mL syringe to flush the peg line. We used 10 mL syringe to flush the peg line. Do not apply force if there's a resistance. Do not apply force if you want to flush the pig line. There's a resistance. Do not. It could be a clot. If you force it, that clot might dislodge and it might cause chaos. Even as even maybe the patient's death you don't forcibly remove a clot, when there's a blockade in the pig line you advise the client not to immerse the arm that had that pig line into water you also want to make sure when he's when, he's, when the patient is to shower is you cover the dressing to avoid it being exposed to water those are things you want to do provide a patient for edu- with education do everything you flush with a uh, heparin 5 ml so you flush. You use a ten cc syringe to flush. That's one. You can flush with a normal saline zero point nine percent before, between, and after each medication. Take for example, this is my kind of enter i drug and drop You want to administer ampicillin uh five hundred milligram IV. you Want to administer also you have a uh, metoclopramide 20 milligram IV to administer all two of those medications at the same time. When you administer the first one. You have to use 0.9% normal saline between two medications that go in IV, that go into the pick line or into the non-tunial lines. You gotta flush the line. You make sure um, when you do that, you use 10 mL of normal saline to, 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 to flush the line after each med is passed. Now the next thing you do all that is then you flush with 20 mL of normal saline after blood draw. When you pass ordinary medication, you will flush with 10 ml normal saline between two medications. Or between, even when you pass one medication, you use 20, 10 ml normal saline. If you drew blood, because we can draw blood from the pig line. We can draw blood from this non-tunious percutaneous vascular device. We can do that. If you drew blood from those openings, you must use 20 ml normal saline to flush the line if you use blood if you drew blood 20 ml if it is medication 10 ml now um we flung the 5 ml heparin when the pig line is not in use every time we've done using the pig line we only want to have a heparin solution in the in a syringe that's why we are going to the bedside. side you will carry three syringes filled with fluid one syringe will have heparin solution in it the other two syringes will have no one in it when you open the heparin when you open the pig line you will it with the you're of the saline. after that when you see the medication you further you further again the second time with a saline solution and the last one will be the heparin so the heparin will, will prevent clot formation within the line that's the reason why you are providing The heparin after the use of the pig line. Now, um, the frequency of use depends on the kind of pig line that is being used by you, the nurse. Any question on the pig line? Any question on pig line? Then I move on to the tunia line. Tunia. The pig line. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, you were saying that when you flushing the pick line, what kind of syringe you were talking about the flush I said, I said, if you are using, if you drew blood from a pick line, you use yes. twenty mL normal saline zero point nine percent. If you using to, if you using it to pass medications, you can use ten mL of normal saline to flush the line before and after. Thank you sir. you're welcome then the the tunnel percutaneous central venous character now this is for long-term use this is for only is for only long term the tunnel one the one with tuna in is for long-term use that when you get a tunnel the tunnel percutaneous central access or central venous character this is for long-term use now the first two we talk about one can be for long-term use which, which is the peak line the first we'll talk about which is the non-turner it is for short-term use now in this situation the tunnel is for a long-term use now it is inserted. um it lasts in a subcutaneous cutaneous separating the point where the character enters and the veins and from where it entered the skin with a cuff so now this tuner one it will not enter the veins from where it enters the skin. So we have a so place, it will enter, enter the skin and will tunnel it until it locates the vein. That's why it is called tunnel. Now, um, it will locate the vein, or not need a skin using a cuff. There'll be a cuff in there where it will place, in the, will place it in there. Now with this step, um, the tissues with this granulate into the cuff to provide mechanical barrier to the organism and an anchoring for the character so there's a cuff attached to this the tuna has a cuff that cuff in there it helps the body to anchor the character so that it can be dislodged it can be dislocated it can be removed it can infiltrate easily that's why this one has a cuff because it's for long term. So the cough has to provide protection to stay, for you to stay in longer time. Now, in this toenail type, uh, it is frequent and long term you need for vascular access. This type does not need dressing. Because it's entry into the skin and veins are separate. It does not need dressing because where it enters the skin and where it enters the, the veins are two different sites. The veins might be right here. And it might end up lower, lower, or lower than where it's supposed to be. So the entry of where it, is, it, it accesses the vein and where it it, 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 it has access to the skin are two different sites. That's why it does not need dressing. Unlike the other ones, that it enters the vein directly, that means there'll be blood flow. So that means we need dressing for those ones. But for this toenail type, it does not need dressing because it does not enter the skin and the vein at the same time it enters the skin first before it finds the vein and access the vein let's remove that very well now um this like i said you have the you have uh the groschen catheter um it has a cuff it provides a barrier um, this one has a valve. The Grosjean has a valve that prevents blood reflux. And that's why we do not need dressing because these ones contain valve. So when there's a valve, it prevents blood from coming up. The valve that is in this uh, toenail type, it has, uh, the, 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 this type of uh, valve as a device has a valve. And the valve prevents backflow of blood outside that might cause bleeding. So it also has a clamp. I'm sorry, this this, 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 this this does not require a clamp because it contains a valve. Because if you have a clamp, it will use a stop. But this will not have a blood backflow. So it does not need a clamp. That's why it contains a valve that prevents the backflow of blood in this situation. The last one is the, imported, uh, the implanted port. The implanted port. The implanted port. The implanted port. Now this implant port, um, it has a small reservoir that is covered by a thick division, which we call a septum. So this this, this one has a thick reservoir that is divided by uh, a, a, what we call a septum. Now, this can be placed in surgically. This cannot be placed in just ordinary like the other ones. This needs a surgical procedure to access the vein. Now in this situation, Um it is split into the chest wall into the chest wall. They will go put it into the chest wall, and you can access the vein or the the, this the our circulation or our our superior vena cable through the chest wall. Now it is placed into the subclavian veins. So it is split into the subclavian veins and it accesses the superior vena cable when you find it. So the tip of this device is placed into the subclavian vein it finds its way until it accesses uh, the superior vena cava what is important about this impenable port um, only individual who are trained with a mask and a sterile technique can access this particular port um, you want to apply other cream t- to the body that will prevent pain. Palpate the skin to locate the port. And then uh, access with a non-coring needle, uh, a non-coring hobar needle. Check for the blood return when, when, when it is in. You flush it with 5 ml of heparin. Uh, 100 units of 5 ml heparin, 100 units per ml after every use and at least once per month we can go in and do that once a month. So these are things about these vascular access these devices. You all to know about them, when there's occlusion, what can be done? Don't, don't, don't look at some other things about them, what can be done. I will start with a few things. Any questions about them? Any questions? Any questions? Five ml we use heparin five ml in one hundred ml one uh, one uh, ml of fluid to flush it, so we use um five ml heparin we float five ml heparin one units per ml after every use five ml heparin in one hundred units after every use now. Um when there is Philbitis, what is Philbitis? Now you want to insert uh, uh somebody you want to put a medication on the uh, on the unit and the patient is having philbytis. How do you recognize philbitis? Philbitis, what is philbitis what is philbytis? Mimi. Me, don't be asking me so uh, of, uh, of your body is the, is the complications of the pig line that how do a veins infection or vein inflammation um, in uh, it could be caused from uh, the pH of the, of the solution or this, this solution osmolality or it could be caused by chemical irritation or it could be caused by the vein being too small for what is being inserted into the vein all those things can cause phobitis. now when the patient has phobitis, there'll be redness there'll be pains, there'll be swelling there'll be there'll be bruising of the area those are all common signs and symptoms of phobitis. now when you when, when the patient has this this can also slow the infusion rate it can create a hardening in duration um, it can also uh, be in there it will create above one degree very high for the patient and then uh, those to have that are often happening in seven to ten days after incision meaning uh there will be infection now we are a preventive measure we can prevent the People please perform meal please uh we are other means we can prevent it from going into uh we could prevent it that is we'll do hand hygiene make sure our hands are sanitized our hands are pretty clean and sanitized. We make sure um, we use an anti sterile dressing. If it, is tun- if it is non-tunial, we use sterile dressing. Like I said, when it is tunial, we do not use dressing. If it is non-tunial, we can use a sterile dressing. But if it is tunial, we do not use dressing because where the needle is inside there is not where it access the vein. Um, then we take preventive measure. We set the for two hours after after insertion, and we we'll do all things to make sure it is clean. We we'll know chlorhexidine, tell it before the procedure to make sure it is good. Now, when there's an occlusion, now this was about fibrotic fibrotic. There's occlusion. There's occlusion of the site. Meaning there's an occlusion of the of the uh, the site. Um, there's occlusion means that there's a blockade within the central line It there's a blockade in there. We go in, uh, which this this blockade can impede the flow. Meaning, it can stop the flow of the fluid. So we go in there. Uh, we want to help the patient now. When there's a blockade, it might either be thrombosis or a, a, it might either be a thrombin or an embola. And that's why we said whenever these patients are taking this fluid, there's a there's a blockade. We need to flush the line, and and the, 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 the line it cannot be flushed. Do not force it when you force it, it might be a clot, and that clot might might dislodge, it could be fatal for the patient. That's why we do not forcibly remove a clot within the line. Now, under here, um you flush the line accordingly. Um according to the according to the facility protocol. Do not force a flush, it is a resistance. Um, we use 10 ml to av- 10 ml to avoid access. Excess pressure uh, per square inches that could cause character fracture or rupture. Okay, we, we use 10 ml. That's about the occlusion. Um, if there is any other complication, we make sure we contact the doctor promptly, we look out for swelling, or un- push, unrestricted push movement of the arm. We put all those ones into place to prevent the patient from going to huge complication. Any question?